0: Pod Only Knows is a Cage Club podcast. For other smart podcasts on culture, pop, and otherwise, go to cageclub.me.
1: You can contact us via email at POK at cageclub.me.
0: You can find me on Twitter at Probably Real JB.
1: And you can find me at Kelly underscore J underscore Baker. And you can find the show on Twitter at Pod Only Knows Pod.
0: The show is written and produced by us.
1: Welcome to Pod Only Knows. I'm Kelly Baker. I'm John Brooks, and we have another chit chat episode today.
0: It's the weekend.
1: It's the weekend, so <laughs> we're <laughs> we're ready for it. If you can't tell, um, mm-hmm. so we are ready. We are ready. So we're, let's. We're both start quite as...
0: exhausted, but yeah. <laughs>
1: I was like you can know hear how tired we both sound, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what the weekend is for, resting Absolutely. or some being, nonsense being like that. Being tired
0: and listening to other tired people.
1: Yeah, you're yeah. right, cuz cuz what you get to do as a parent is rest on the weekends. Sure. It's real. Sure.
0: Yeah. No, course. I listen to podcasts while doing laundry, so <laughs>
1: I don't even want to think about laundry. I have like multiple baskets <laughs> that have like collected now that I just like put my hand up as I walk by, so I don't look at them. Oh,
0: we just have a constant state of multiple baskets. It's like oh, just it's most the of the clothes of live in baskets oh, unfolded and then the they get folded and worn and then they end up in and then they
1: skin. come back, right? Like that's there the has part to be a better way. The worst yeah. is that yeah. they always <laughs> come back. <laughs> <laughs> the unending chore that is laundry. So mm-hmm. um, besides laundry, John, what is your other good news that you have for us? Uh,
0: so my good news is recycling. <laughs> <laughs> <sounds really> <laughs> um, my like region district, I guess, um, a collection of several towns uh, around where I live. We have a, we have a community like recycling place. Okay, which is really awesome. It's open like six different hours a week. I'll give you. Here's 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 how it's open: nine to eleven a.m. on Tuesdays, four to six p.m. on Thursdays, and then for two hours every <laughs> first and third Saturday of of, of the month. But the reason why it's open so infrequently is they do so much stuff. Like they do so much work and it's so awesome and so cool. You can basically bring them anything shy of like nuclear waste and they will take care of it. Um, So all that stuff, you're like, what do I do with this? Like, do I throw it out? Do I give it away? Like they will give it away for you. They will recycle it for you. They will do whatever it needs to be done. And um it's great. I've been three times in the last, like, couple weeks. I've been meaning to go for a long time. I, like, collect – I build up stuff over the year, and then I just do these, like, summer runs to the recycling place when I can actually get there when it's open. Um, but I've I've gotten, like, three car loads of stuff that's just been sitting around oh, wow. and waiting to be disposed of um, out of the house, cleaned the garage. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> but they do an incredible job. And, like, they work with Restore, so they, like – they give away what they can give away. They they refurbish stuff. They like, they work with a whole bunch of different vendors. Um, it's just a, it's a really pretty like incredible um, enterprise <laughs> that they have going on there. And they also do this thing where like, so they list the prices, right? So like a TV, if you have like a TV, we had an old TV that I had to get rid of. And like the list price for recycling that is like 20 bucks. Um right. and then like if you have, you know, a whole bunch of like a an old appliance, right? Like I had a broken dehumidifier that I had to get rid of too and and there's all these like list prices and so like, you know, every time I go I'm like, okay, the price they could charge me is like 50, but they always do this like interview before you go in um where they're like what do you have and I do the inventory and they're like, "Uh, ah, let's say $25." And I'm like, "Great, sounds <laughs> good." So, um the third time I went this week, it was, you know, I, I had a bunch of stuff and like they should have charged me probably, I would say 15, I think, um, given what I had. But I was talking to the guy and he's like, he's like, you know, he's, he's like, have you been here before? I'm like, yeah, it's my third time in the last week and a half. Uh, and he, he's like, oh, you got a summer project happening? I'm like, yeah, it's like clean-out project. And he's like, okay, $2. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: it's amazing
0: yeah 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 um i love it but no they do they do a great job and uh i'm happy i'm really excited and happy they're there because like it just makes so many things so much easier even though figuring out when to actually go is a trick but (laughs) yeah no you
1: have on your calendar blocked, right where you're like this is the window which i have that i have to hurry really yeah and they have a good reason for
0: only being open those (laughs) hours they're literally working every other hour like every other hour is them doing the stuff that like you bring them so um it's it's very very cool so um yeah that's my good news what's yours
1: So, my good news is after many years of attempting, I finally got a 12 foot skeleton.
0: Yay!
1: Yeah. So, this for anyone that has followed me on Twitter, and that's what I'm going to call it for now till forever. Yeah. X it's never, third. it's never yeah. going to be the other thing. Um, <laughs> we we'll will know dead name that I... the hell out of
0: it forever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately,
0: yes. Sorry, but, um, Twitter.
1: Yeah, sorry, Twitter. Um, but I've been trying for years for this to happen and I've never been able to make it work. And I mm-hmm. had a moment early, um, not early in the pandemic, but maybe in pandemic year two where I could have driven like. Hours and hours to like a random Home Depot somewhere in Alabama to pick one up. Oh, I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And I had this moment of like, I could do this, shouldn't
0: I? (laughs) But should
1: I really drive eight hours for a skeleton, right? And then turn around and drive eight hours back? And my family was like, "What's wrong with you?" And so I didn't. Um. So I did, however, get up at five a.m. to order my skeleton to make sure that I. Got him, and he um, was in my cart. And <laughs> did this sort of thing. It's a him. So set an okay. alarm on my uh-huh. phone. Yeah, it's sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: sure. Gendered the others.
1: <laughs> the others have names. Um, you know, like if this goes with the collection. Um, for people that haven't followed along on Twitter, I currently have two eight feet skeletons in my right. yard. And
0: those are, I mean, yeah,
1: and those, yeah, Skelly Tor <laughs> and Mary Skelly. And then <laughs> I have. Um, Skelly J. Baker, who is a five-foot skeleton who sits on my porch, and we have yep. not yet named the 12-foot skeleton because we haven't put him up yet. Um, the kids are going back and forth over what this skeleton should be named. Um, but they had mm-hmm. to deliver him on like a giant ass truck because it's a giant ass box of skeleton, yeah. right? Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And so I missed the delivery because I was recording our podcast when this happened. <gasps> so my... Partner, who is a delightful human being, saw the truck coming down the driveway and met them, um, and was like, "Okay, w- I will take delivery of the skeleton." And he's very kind of <laughs> he's very much given into the skeletons, mm-hmm. right? Like just his like I would think you'd do. have
0: to at this point, you have yes. to at
1: this point, right? Like you've just kind of given up. But um, yeah. but the the funniest piece of this is that the gentleman delivering it look at our yard. And look at the 12-foot skeleton, and they're like, You didn't already have enough skeletons, right? And clearly not. You know, the the answer, of course, is like, no, we didn't, because we didn't have the giant one yet, right? Right. So, so our project for sometime soon is that we need the giant parent skeleton, right? So yeah. So the fun thing in our house right now is trying to decide how we're gonna dress up all the different skeletons for whatever. we decide to dress them up as but um yeah i was
0: telling it's, my. it's important to maintain the nuclear giant skeleton family <laughs> the structure giant
1: skeleton family structure, <laughs> or else <laughs> our knows? society
0: will collapse it
1: will it will is now on me my responsibility solely to hold this together you mm-hmm. all should be really really nervous about that mm-hmm. um but yeah so that's my that's my good news is that finally after years I've done this and now I have the giant skeleton and hopefully all my dreams will now come true and my life is made, but I'm sure that I will discover <laughs> just like with every other consumer purchase I make. <laughs> <laughs> the shine does eventually wear off, but right now I'm still like super hyped about it. So um, we'll cool. see. I also don't have to be the one to put it together. So, you know, it's more exciting for me
0: mm-hmm. than that too, because mm-hmm. I'm not
1: allowed to be on ladders. So... You
0: know, is there like know. a is there like a is there a backstory to the whole like giant skeleton phenomenon and are they like supposed to be know. like the nephilim like what what, the, what is that would be
1: amazing I there? hope that's what it is I'm gonna pretend <laughs> that that's what it is that's my new backstory <laughs> for them <Yeah. laughs>
0: those are those are giant nephilim
1: they on are my, on, my, on everyone's yeah. yards that's what it is yeah.
0: so. <laughs> they uh, they prove the flood so they did sorry. Yep. yeah sorry yeah you can tell all yep. the like weirdo christians that you live near that that's what's going on
1: yeah that's like, exactly no, 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 what's is happening is
0: my right these are real <laughs> skeletons that i got from the bodies of nephilim um at the site and they're gonna of
1: be like huh the, okay. the biblically
0: accurate flood um <laughs> yeah i don't know i gotta look into that because it's like it's been a pretty i mean there's like where we live there's every you know 40th house or so around Halloween time has one of those things yeah so um and definitely didn't a few years ago right so it definitely has been a thing in recent years that's happened and I'd love to know who snuck that into the um there's gotta be like a good
1: good cultural history right of the skeleton me there has to be somewhere right yeah um I would hope anyway but yeah so. <laughs> mine will be a year-round skeleton of course because of course, we have to carry yeah. on our tradition as the skeleton house it's
0: we special. have we have the occasional those people as well uh, around yeah. here so yeah. yeah the year makes round, me happy round. and no, they, they and they have different you know and they 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 dress up for the different holidays and yep. uh you know they have the santa hat christmas yep. time and yeah. yeah, mine stuff, are wrapped but, um... in,
1: like, tinsel, you know, and it's because it's great yeah. to do that sort of thing, yeah. and the hats. And one of them had um, Rudolph antlers, like the little, like, just pretend antlers that you could get, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. one year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I was like, why not? <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: why not? Why um, not? Well, I'm glad half of your dream <laughs> has come through. Half I of my dream has I come through. It... I hope it finds its its partner at some point. In the yeah, near we'll see.
1: Oh no, I think I'm probably at my. I think I've reached my skeleton limit with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, no, it needs, it needs, it needs a, it needs a spouse. It needs a
1: buddy. Yeah, it needs a buddy. And then, and then I'll have the same amount of skeletons that I have, like humans in my house, right? Like, I mean, that makes sense. It's like those, it's
0: like those bumper stickers, except giant skeletons. Except
1: giant skeletons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have to get a bunch of giant cat skeletons as well to.
1: Oh my gosh. No, at a certain point, my family is going to turn on me. So I'm going to have
0: to shut it down. Yeah, that's
1: fair. But.
0: All right. Well, you you picked today's topic, so do you I wanna, did. Yeah. So
1: our topic today is authentic or authenticity.
0: Woo. <laughs> so- <laughs> Woo.
1: Yeah. I was like, is it spooky? I don't know. Maybe it is. Um. But yeah. So I've been thinking a lot lately about the way in which some. Religious studies scholars are still caught up in this um, concern about whether religions are authentic or not um, and how we use that label and how that label is um, deployed in different settings and these sorts of things. But before we get into it, I thought we could start by you telling me what you think when you hear the term authentic is where I thought we would go first. Uh,
0: Authentic in the sense of like, Religious a- authenticity, or just like authentic, no, just, as, a, just as, authentic- as, as a term. That's a great a term. question. Then, okay, that's that's a harder and uh, and really good question. Um, I suppose it means that a uh, a a belief or a ideology is consistent with a person's behavior. Yeah. Um, right i think that's the that's that's like what i would do to check right (laughs) i guess
1: yeah no i mean that's not far i mean merriam webster is like you know real or actual based on a fact a lot of it's about Mm -hmm. consistency you know how consistent everything seems to be um uh worthiness is often thrown in there too, as part of it, which I thought was kind of interesting, whether it's worthy of acceptance or belief. Um, I often think about like the authenticity of self that's so much a part of our culture, you know, like the you be you individualism sort of thing that happens.
0: Right, um, right, right,
1: right. That is just like all over the place. So when I was researching this, almost everything I came up with first search was like, how to be your most authentic self, right? It's like, be mindful, very...
0: be, yeah. you
1: know, be um, true and honest, be this. So it's just this kind of really interesting um, way in which the language of authenticity is um, so present or omnipresent in our culture right right now um, that it doesn't take much to find it and to find people encouraging everyone to be their most authentic all the time without a lot of thought about why we're using that word.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like how can a person not be authentic all the time, I like right. th- that's 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 where it gets like sort of you know where you sort of hit a um sort of like ontological <laughs> right sort of sure. like problem because because I mean if you are acting sort of f- differently in different company or like putting on airs, like you're still that's you, that's like your person, it's yeah. like what you do, right? Like, so it's still. Yeah, I think that's where sort of the 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 sort of cultural use of authentic probably hits a bit of a snag because it clearly means something different from authentic when people are saying like how to be your authentic self. Because my authentic self is like a bunch of different people depending on my surroundings and how comfortable I feel with the people I'm around and like, right. you know. It's all authentic. That really is who I am. I really am (laughs) someone who is like very different in very different circumstances and sometimes pretends to be someone that I'm like not right. And that's still off. So yeah, it's a really interesting way that that term is deployed because it really does obscure. I think the, um, what we're trying to say, right. When we talk about authentic behavior,
1: Yeah, and it it is funny to me too because it suggests that somehow there's something sort of essential about us, right? That that there's some sort of essential thing that seems something like a soul that is down deep that we can excavate, you know? Which is a very like
0: which is a very like Christian supremacist kind of idea, right? That there's a sort of permanent self that is the real one. And yeah, that that doesn't I mean, that doesn't jive with my experience. And uh, No,
1: but it's so much of the self-help piece is about that, right? Like if you can just dig down deep, right, you can find that essential piece of yourself and and that is what's most authentic about you. It's not how you act in all of these different ways, right? It's like there's something foundational down deep. And, and mm. like you, I have the same sort of thing where I'm like, that feels like a soul, doesn't it? Like, that's what <laughs> you're talking about, isn't it? Like it's really what's going on here. Um, Yeah. And we have a culture that
0: sort of assumes a soul, right? I mean, like, and so even if it's not tied to religion, there's something obviously sort of tangentially religious about that. Where, Right. right. right, Where, where there's this idea of like a permanent everlasting you. And like, that's the one that's going to go to heaven and live forever is like that, that one particular iteration of your personality, which is a very, I don't know. (laughs) It's a very strange idea um, Well, and <laughs> considering like you said, all the different views um, I've been. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't really, like you said, work with the definition of authenticity that assumes some sort of consistency or some sort of based on like factual evidence about mm-hmm. your behavior or what you're doing or what you're embodying or any of these sorts of things that it really instead is some sort of self-projection that you think. Is what you're really like so you're hoping for some sort of essential goodness that you can find not that you know maybe you're sort of a snarky asshole in some situations <laughs> and, and others you are not right like that yeah. you're hoping that maybe down deep right down way way deep that there's like a goodness that's going to carry on in some sort of way so i just i thought that that was really interesting that so much of the stuff that i found when i was really starting to think about this topic was so self helpy right like that's the sort of essential piece that was there first right that i was like mm-hmm. oh okay here we are americans once again <laughs> this is what we're into when we're Which thinking about authentic yeah
0: why there's so much like overlap with you know the sort of like pop christian move like and self-help uh yeah sector right by like so much so much of like the self-help kind of um literature is you know sort of masked christian evangelical right yeah gateway stuff um yeah it's really interesting i hadn't really thought of like that particular part of that connection before
1: yeah no i mean as someone that for a while read a lot of self-help stuff not To do self help, but more because I just was kind of critical of it and trying to see if (laughs) it was doing like not to really improve me, John, because my essential self is a snarky asshole, but like it, you know, (laughs) needs no improvement, needs no improvement. Like, come on. (laughs) Um, But more interested in seeing like how often these kind of works talk about like structure, right? Or structural constraints, and they hardly ever do, of course. Um, Mm. But, you know, just to think about, the ways in which those overlaps are very much there or to look at who's writing them and seeing how often they then start talking about religion, right. Or their church going or their backgrounds, right. That you're like, Oh, Oh, this kind of makes a little bit more sense now that I know that this is the type of church you go to. And this is why spirituality is what you're talking about in scare quotes, right. When what you're really talking about is religion um, as part of what you're doing. So yeah, so I was thinking about that, um, but I was also thinking about this kind of question of why we're still so caught up in this discussion of authenticity, right? Like why we still get mired in this when we're talking about religion and how that comes up and why we still want. To label things as authentic or not in religious studies. And I will say that, and I'll talk about this a bit more in a minute, I fall into this trap still too (laughs) with my work. So I don't, I'm not entirely free from this and we can talk about why in just a minute. Um, But I want us to kind of think through that today and to talk about like why that term still hangs around. And yeah. what kind of work it's doing, right? Um, yeah. Because I think the more I thought about it today, the more I was like, "Well, damn it, Kelly, you do this, and like, why do you do this, and like, well, how is that a problem, and all of these sorts of things." So that's kind of where I want our conversation to go today.
0: So, okay. um,
1: so one of the things that I I sent you homework. I should let all of our listeners <laughs> know that I did send you homework. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when I'm in charge of the episode. As I send homework, uh-huh. um, so one of the things that I sent you is. Chrissy Stroop wrote this great article for Religion Dispatches on um, how white Christian nationalists are authentically Christian. And one of the things that she talks about in this article, and I'm just going to give listeners the synopsis, is that white Christian nationalists are actually Christian instead of fake Christians. And so one of the things she's talking about is how commonly in media and commonly in reporting, editors are making choices to try to separate Christian nationalists from other Christians, right? They're like, no, they're not doing the stuff that other like regular scare quote Christians are doing, right? They're somehow separate. We've got to keep them separate. We're not sure what they're doing, but this isn't really Christianity, right? It's something different. Um, And so... One of the things she's trying to point out is actually we have data now um, from P-R-R-I that shows, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they are doing stuff that other Christians are doing, right? Like mm-hmm. they're attending churches. They're doing this stuff. They are actually talking about this in affirmative ways. They're identifying as Christian nationalists. They're doing this stuff that we would consider fits in line with Christianity. So like, what do you do with that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: the kind of larger point that she makes. And so she's like, so we can call them authentically Christian, in the grander scheme of things. And so um, I was reading her article and I was like, yeah, yeah, we can. Right. Like we do this. I'm like, sure. Yeah. I was like, I do this too. Right. When I'm writing about white Christian nationalists, I want to also make the larger point that they are mainstream Christians in the 1920s, that they're not out of line with this, that they are very much in line and that I'm trying to show that they're authentic too. Um, But part of me is like that's kind of an interesting move right like what is going on here like why do i want to do that so much right like what's happening here that i want to do that and so i was wondering what you thought about that right like that shift to like claim that they're authentic and i can say a little bit more about why i want to do that but i was curious as to what your read on that was um yeah, and and kind of what you thought when you were looking through the article or reading through the kind of justifications that she had, and um, and what that word kind of pings for you because um, it hit me a little bit different this go round.
0: Yeah, I, I i read I've read the article before, um, and one of the things that like I I kind of paid more attention to. Um, of of what chrissy says this time around is that like her argument about people who call christian nationalists um and or sort of far-right militant you know christian fundamentalists etc like not real christians is that um the assumption is that people think like they don't really go to church. They just sort of like, you know, wrap themselves in the cross and then kind of do whatever in the name of, you know, far right militant ideology and sort of, you know, dispelling that with data. And I think like, I, I found that interesting because when I think about people criticizing Christian nationalists as being not really Christian, that's not the first thing that comes to mind or like that's not the first thing that I tend to see as the critique as to why. Um, So like, for instance, I think the most probably well-known person who is a progressive liberal Christian, um, sort of avowed, you know, Christian who speaks to a broadly not christian audience and also sort of makes the claim of like real christianity as john Fugel saying, and he often you know will will sort of invoke this idea that like they're not real christians and and his underlying sort of thesis as to why is not to do with like church attendance but with this idea of like jesus as hippie and you know the gospels as like, love your neighbor, give away stuff, uh, you know, compassion, throwing stones, et cetera, et cetera. And kind of distilling Christianity down to basically like a few choice vignettes from Luke, um, which a lot of, right. Which a lot of like progressive well-meaning Christians do, And then sort of identify that as, like, what it is to be authentically Christian. Like, you can't possibly be Christian unless you first follow the basic dictates of, like, giving stuff away, you know, doing good Samaritan things, Mm -hmm. right? And, like, everything else is, like, secondary or tertiary to that. The thing is that, like, I don't know any progressive Christians who also, like, don't mix different types of fabric in their clothes who like Mm -hmm. i don't know any progressive christians who like stone prostitutes to death and you could just as easily say that like well you're not then authentically christian because the bible says to do that and you're just choosing what to ignore from the bible right and and yeah I, i mean there's a whole lot of christians who couldn't really care that much about the gospels they're mostly focused on like paul and then like the resurrection jesus from revelation with like the sword and shit right and you know that is definitely a completely reasonable interpretation of christianity because there are no christianities that that are consistent across the entire scripture um and yeah, like I it, it so that that interested me because I don't I don't see the criticism, I'm sure it exists, and I hadn't really thought about it as much that it's coming from people saying like well, they don't really go to church. they're like not Christian at all. Um, right. and of course, I you know, I know that that's not true um, and and that <laughs> there are churches that definitely preach. Far right politics and violent extremism as part right. of their sort of right. preaching. So I, I think one of the one of the really important reasons why this tends to happen, and like you, you've talked about this when you're talking about like old ladies being like the Klan can't be Christian. <laughs> That's right. I think a lot of it just has to do with just like a like a very base um, lack of education of what the christian landscape really is and 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 again a sort of like built-in inherent assumption that christianity just equals like good people who work at Mm -hmm. soup kitchens and shit right yeah um and occasionally like don't like gay people or whatever but like you know that 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 that's pretty much it um and so yeah i mean it, it speaks to a lack of understanding of in the media especially people who are like you know articulating these things a lack of understanding of the data of, of the, of the, of the, landscape um, and a lot of things, but I'm sure there's also something much deeper about sort of our feeling like we have a license to sort of say this is real and that's not real um, yeah, sort yeah. Of cultural that, that is also at play there.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the, this is real and this is not real piece that I think is the one that's interesting to me um, because of the kind of experiences, like you said, right? The little ladies, but also the experiences I've had sometimes with religious study scholars who are like, is it religion though? You know, about um, something like the 1920s clan where they don't necessarily want it to be Christian and they don't necessarily want it to be a religion because they've decided that it's bad. Right. Like right. that, since they are sort of acting and really are terrible people right they're, they're acting terrible and they are be t- being terrible people that maybe we just don't want to include this in the category of religion right so that mm-hmm. for them authentic religion does exactly like you said right it's good religion it's not the bad religion um which is really kind of funny when you think about like the long history of how we would understand something like religious studies and religious history, right? Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense because it doesn't take very long at all (laughs) to realize that we have to like wrangle and reckon with violence, right? And genocide and these sorts of things. Um, But I do think that that's part of the impulse. And often with media folks, I think that Mm -hmm. is still part of the impulse too, is to say, but I know Christians and they're doing good work. Like, why would you want to affiliate these other people with this? And it's like, well, because they also are. And this is like you said, like that this is varied and there are many Christianities and you can't kind of parse this out quite as easily as you want it to. Um, So I think it I think that that part is important. I also am kind of curious about that impulse that I still feel Um, that I'm a little bit more torn by uh, about this desire to label something authentically religious. Like um, the listeners can't see my face, but it got all like scrunchy where I'm like, oh, (laughs) I don't know why. Like I was like, I know that I've done this in my work, but it makes me kind of like twitchy a little bit that – Um, that this is something I've done and this is something I felt that I needed to do because of what I worked on, that I had to kind of make these claims, right? But that overall, it just makes me kind of like squirmy now to think about, oh, why did I have to do that? Like, what is is the impulse there, right? And like, why do I feel like I needed to do it? And I think it's part of that, like, authenticity is how you claim that something is religion. (laughs) You know, like it's how you say that something counts as religion and what do you think about that i mean do you think i'm off base there or
0: no i I think and i think also i think that's that's right i think it also is sort of the reason why we use that language is because we also have a um cultural somewhere between taboo and sort of you know forbidden uh (laughs) um rule against criticizing religion Right. Right. So the only way that you can critique it is by sort of severing this line and saying, well, like all this stuff over here I can criticize because that's not authentic because it doesn't, you know, love anybody's neighbor. And so therefore, um, this actually doesn't count. And so I can criticize that. Um, Which which is just, you know, part of a a broader problem of the fact that we just like you are not allowed to question someone's religious views or to critique, you know, religion is a is a sort of, you know, (laughs) holy category. right? Right. For lack of a better term. And like I think about so when I when I when I talk with students, for instance, about something like Scientology i think that's a really interesting case study for this um we'll we'll talk about scientology in more detail some other time but scientology is it a scam sure it is right like is it is it a um you know is it like a, a, a abusive you know institution like yes is it a religion absolutely right like it ticks all the boxes. It is an authentic religion. Like what it does with that is, is a different conversation and whether or not you want to critique it is a different conversation. Um, A thing can be abusive and a scam and religious at the same time. It's not, these things are not like, it's not because I call it a religion that I'm saying that it's good, but within our sort of cultural boundaries, as soon as I call it a religion, I'm saying that it's good. And so I have to call it a scammy cult otherwise it then gets lumped in with christianity which is always good except when it's not right right? (laughs) so yeah i mean i think a lot of it does have to do with our sort of our our biases towards what we can and can't say about people's religious views and and the, the sort of structure of religion itself right
1: Yeah, and I've been thinking too about like, um, you know, Sinead O'Connor died and there's been a whole bunch of conversation against, um, not against, but about the backlash that she faced, right, for ripping the picture of the Pope and bringing attention to the sex abuse scandal within the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. Um, and just about like the sheer level of backlash that she faced, right, by pointing out abuse um, in the time period that she pointed it out um, because of this desire for people to one, not face it, but also the idea that you couldn't really critique this, right? When, of course, now we know decades and decades later that this is a systemic problem, right? Institutional problem that was covered up, these sorts of things. Um, But the way in which um, you're exactly right that some of these religious institutions have been, have just sort of existed beyond critique in some sorts of ways, right? Yeah. Um, I think this yeah. is where Megan Goodwin's work on um, religious abuse is so important, right? Is mm-hmm. that one of the things she points out is abuse happens everywhere, um, but that there's this like tendency still to point it out in groups that we would call quote unquote cults, but not necessarily major religious traditions, right? That those Mm -hmm. groups were a little bit more hesitant or we say it's a one-off, right? In some sort of way that it's not um, institutional or systemic, right? That there is this way that critique kind of bounces off, right? Or that you're discouraged from making it. Um, But about how we, it's so much about how we shift the stuff that we don't like out of what we consider religion, (laughs) You know, like that, we can kind yeah. of just move it out of there, right? In some sort of way. So, um, white Christian nationalism wouldn't be considered Christian because we don't want that in there, right. um, because that leads to a whole host of questions that are really deeply uncomfortable about violence and fascism and authoritarianism that we maybe don't want to address, right? So, if you want to not consider it authentically Christian, then you can skip over those questions, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've just moved past it in some sort of way entirely.
0: Um, Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's part of the, it's part of the field as well, because I, I mean, I'm not, I don't really know the data on this, but just based on like personal experience, like the, the field of religious studies seems to be pretty evenly split among sort of people who are secular and people who are not. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there are people within religious studies who still have a bias, um, perhaps even an agenda when it comes to religion. And so there's that sense of like, you don't want the secular atheist religious studies people to, you know, start critiquing, you know just religion in general um which i'm completely fine with and do it all the time uh but like when you are in sort of a a field that has that mixed dynamic um Mm -hmm. you you feel like you need to be more careful and say like i'm not talking about you and like your nice religion over here which is perfect and flawless and like (laughs) You know, no right. notes. I'm talking about the bad people storming the Capitol and like the clan. and so I need a name for that so I yeah. can separate it from the perfect thing that you do, um, which is which is you know, flawless and great, and you're great, and uh, yeah, let's let's get along as colleagues, etc. And like again, it's it's kind of part of the the weirdness of this particular field of study, right? that is distinct from all other fields of study which um you know you don't have to worry about this in like biology right right, as a, right uh as a field of study um sort of upsetting someone's perspective uh within the field so um yeah that's a problem i don't know how you solve that problem but it definitely is a problem
1: yeah, and a continuing problem. Yeah, Method. You're, I mean, and you're exactly right. I mean, it's just one of those things where you can imagine that it goes over remarkably well when you tell people that the Klan is just a Christian organization. <laughs> no, like, right? Where it's just like, yeah. that's what it is. Yep. And folks are like, but but there are no qualifiers on that. And I'm like, "Eh, there are no qualifiers on that. You're correct. Like I don't have qualifiers because it is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and just because again, it's like, I don't have a faith commitment that would lead me to a different conclusion or that I don't have anything that's caught up in that statement in a way that someone else might. Um, But yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't go over well um, because it says that this is in the same trajectory in this Christian history and we have to include it. And that makes it deeply uncomfortable in some ways to mm-hmm. um, folks that have particular faith commitments or are telling a particular story about Christianity in America um, that don't necessarily want to deal with the clan as part of that story. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a hard, excuse me. It's a hard problem to resolve because those positions are just so different um yeah and the aims are so different um about like what you're trying oh excuse me trying to (laughs) accomplish i don't know i was like i'm gonna start coughing over here i'm gonna take
0: a sip of my coffee you're you're getting interrupted by demons who are trying to Hmm.
1: that's what it is Yeah, yeah no um the demons, they're trying to get out. Um, <laughs> no, but I think I think it is that um, the interesting thing, like you said about religious studies, is that it's more complicated than other fields because you have these battles about this that um, aren't that are always sort of going on and are never quite resolved in any sort of way. Yeah. They just aren't, um, and so we are just kind of moving forward with this and you know I think as long as we have people that still have understandings of religion as inherently good or religion as inherently bad or something like this and can't see that it's much more complicated than that right that it's ambiguous at best um, and that they're trying to fight those battles out that we're going to still have those same conversations about like, is it authentic? Is it not? Right. Does it count as religion? Does it not count? Right. These, these kinds of things that move along in that sort of way that, um, kind of make me want to like lay down on the ground sometimes (laughs) when they pick up, you know, when this kind of stuff like picks up where I'm like, Oh no, we're doing it again. Um, but I think, I mean, it's an interesting question to ask and, um, to kind of move forward. So to shift us a little bit, one of the things that I picked up for our conversation today is um, a book by David Chittister um, called Authentic Fakes. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's older. No. It's from 2005. No. Yeah. Okay. so So it's, it's a pretty cool book. So he's writing about religion and American pop culture. And the whole purpose of the book, which he wanted to title, Holy Shit, which I think <laughs> would have been an amazing title – And I'm sort of bummed that it didn't happen. um, Much better. Is about how things that are fake can create religious experiences. Sure. So it's playing around with this idea of authenticity, looking at things like Coca-Cola, rock and roll, Tupperware of all things, um, (laughs) Nike, um, just to consider the relationship between religion and pop culture. So the idea here is that like – Pop culture artifacts and devotion to them looks like religion, right? But these objects aren't inherently religious. So he's kind of playing around with some of the pop culture and religion stuff. So instead of saying, like, football is religion, you know, which is what the approach that some people take, um, he's saying, well, this stuff doesn't necessarily seem religious but the things that happen around it kind of feel like religion right mm-hmm. yeah. um and so he's doing this with these different kinds of different kinds of products different kinds of ideas music um he looks at money and monetary exchange right cuz that money is kind of this made up thing that we all just kind of buy into the system <laughs> right? Um, that we're a part of, um, that then rules us in this kind of way. Um, yeah, so he absolutely. does this in a lot yep. of ways. And so mm-hmm. what's interesting to me about his work, and I've kind of dug it since I was a graduate student, is that one of the things that he's trying to pay attention to is that religion is about how humans are human, right? So it's religion at its like most basic level. Like what does it mean to interact with other humans and build community and to engage in things that you desire and engage in like social and cultural exchange? But also like, what does it mean to interact with things that are above the human, right? Like that we can't entirely explain to. Um, And so he calls this stuff these like so-called fake religions, right? Um, And he's playing with authenticity there and about the authentic things that happen. So I was thinking about like examples that we have today of this, right? Like things that, don't quote unquote count as religion, but could lead to sort of authentic experiences. Right. Right, right,
0: right, Um, right. And
1: so I was thinking about like the group fitness piece that I sent. Yeah.
0: You you know,
1: Um, and the folks that are like doing like Peloton and they're pedaling together and they're in a community together and like something is happening. Right. And it might even be like. Something ecstatic
0: is happening. yeah,
1: Yeah. Something like. Durkheim collective effervescence type thing happening, right? Yep. Um, And that they're building community and that they're doing this. But the, the thing that they're doing doesn't really, like, fit quite with mm-hmm. maybe how we would define what religion is. Now, there are people that are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, Peloton mm-hmm. probably could count as religion, Kelly. That's fine. Like, it's cool, bro. Like, if you want to go that way, like do your thing. Um, For the sake of my argument today, I'm going to go along with Chittister about this, that it's not maybe entirely like that. And the people, um, you know, who Jessica Gross interviews for the New York Times for her piece also don't entirely describe it as religion, right? Like there are pieces of it that look like that, but not entirely how it fits. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what's your take on this? I mean, I think it's such an interesting... Uh, idea right that like that there are these things that we have in modern culture that can kind of replace religion and authentic yeah. religious experience for folks who yep. are nuns n <laughs> o <N-O-N-E-S.
0: laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be a better word
1: there's gotta um, be a better word out there a, somewhere yes. we, again, um already associated then, with yeah. religion
0: and pronounced the I same know. way need, yes, like it's
1: just I, I feel like but every yeah. time we use it, we are like spelling it. So which is <laughs> which is fine, because otherwise folks are gonna be confused. But um, but I just thought it was an interesting thing to think about with the authenticity question too, right? Yep. Because they are building communities, they are getting something out of us, they're feeling stuff, right? There's mutual aid, there's love for people in their communities, right? There's mentorship happening, there's um, I don't know, like there's something going on in their brains while they're pedaling that yeah. doesn't really work for me because no, I'm not extasis, doing it. For yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. it's the
0: same as like, it's the same as, you know, when we talked about yoga, it's the same as like meditation, right? There's an ecstasis and ecstasis is a really big part of religion. And so like, yeah. you know, that happens in like rock as well, like going to see Taylor Swift, right? There's there's yeah. a religious shared ecstasis happening there. So like there's definitely an element of of religion that's going on there um yeah i mean we should definitely talk about this in 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 like some specific examples in more detail in in the future and we i you know i we we bring this up with brad in our episode coming out tuesday um about sort of the the problem of a lack of religion for atheists and like Mm -hmm. in, in america right like we've built religion so much around theism in this country that there's like a lack of um you know organizing uh um uh, avenues for for people who are you know secular humists and etc um but to the specific like peloton coca-cola you know nintendo versus sega element <laughs> right of of right, this, right yeah um i it's interesting because i i hadn't really thought about it until you sent me that piece but then it it sort of hit me that the most recent sort of Pel- peloton ad campaign brings up this whole like it's just a I think they say like fitness cult um, thing. Oh no way. But, yeah, so I don't know if you've seen this one, but there's like a there's a Peloton ad that's about how people like don't give up on it. And and so uh-huh. There's this voice being like, oh, it's just going to be a coat rack. And then the guy's like, no, actually, blah, 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 blah. And then the guy's <laughs> like, well, it's just a fitness cult. And the guy's like, no, actually, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and so they even acknowledge, right, this sort of element of Peloton as fitness cult, like within the advertising, which I thought was super interesting. Um, Yeah. I mean, a lot of this, like in my, in my master's thesis, this is kind of something that I uh, sort of wrote around, which is like one of the reasons why like conspiracy theories tend to form the way that they do in the West and, and, um, and thrive is because they often take the place of religion and they also often have the same basic functions of like as Christian religion, right? Like Western religion does. Um, And, and I also think like, it's interesting i really wish this book had been out when i was in college because i definitely would have used it for like my my uh work i did in my aesthetics course um about like emptiness and kitsch and that sort of thing but what you were just saying there reminds me of like something that haruki murakami has written about um have you ever read any murakami
1: i haven't
0: okay do you know anything about him no okay no. So I'm, dis- he- <laughs> I'm disappointing today i'm that's, sorry no no that's yeah. fine like it, it, <laughs> murakami is a very sort of like it's a very sort of niche fan base right like um he's very his fans are pretty like obsessive but uh i probably would not have had not one specific person like turned me on to him 25 years ago whatever uh but he's a japanese author um who's who's really kind of like obsessed with american pop culture um in some very interesting sorts of ways. Uh, So he's very popular with Western readers. Um, But like one of the things that he kind of talks about and and that sort of takes center stage in a lot of his work is, is like the really interesting emptiness of American popular culture, like not Mm -hmm. as like a critique, but that it's fascinating that America created this culture that's devoid of any, secondary meaning and that really okay. hadn't happened before right and like okay. like the beatles mean the beatles and like when he talks says american culture like the beatles <laughs> yeah. count right cuz it's part of this broader sort sure. of like you know exported but like elvis means elvis coca cola means coca cola like there's nothing beyond the coca cola symbol and and coca cola as a as a um as a product of meaning beyond it but like it it itself has enormous kind of cultural meaning and value right um and so he's really interested in how sort of america crafted this these sort of isolated like independently important cultural artifacts that don't speak to anything especially bigger right Mm -hmm. it's just sort of part of this kind of like very sort of compact mythos and like and he and he you know would point to you know every like renaissance art is all about something much bigger and there's a lot more symbolism going on there right, right. And there's there's kind of a um a, a shared passed down cultural collective value that is being um referenced in in, in that work but like the Beatles is about like holding a girl's hand and like, that's it. And like, there's right. nothing, nothing beyond that to see right. here. And, and what's fascinating is that like, but even that structure, even that structure of like looking for meaning in something, even if it's not there, even that is part of that like Christian subconscious that we're all sort of like born into in Western culture. Right. That like <laughs> that even the devoid of, 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 meaning thing is like it's still we still structure it like it's religion like when mm-hmm. people say i watch that show religiously or like you know what i, yeah, what I talked right, about right. The, like loyalty between like sega and nintendo in the 90s and how like it's seriously like serious yeah that, yeah right it really was an almost like religious devotion to something um and 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 that can kind of stand in the way of like any other rational argument as to like why one is better than the other so yeah i mean i do think it's really fascinating that there's both kind of the the structural sort of like approach that people take to these things that we get sort of from our religious heritage in the west mm-hmm. but then also the people who are like they, they're they're past theism and like don't really aren't into it but are still looking for something still, that's sort yeah. of similar <laughs> right um yeah. it, whether they know it or not they still want that like community ecstatic experience um that that they would you know that they can't right. get because they can't get past the whole like god part so i guess i'll go to crossfit right like right that's yeah exactly my,
1: yeah that the, now they're an orange theorist right and this right. is how they've done it <laughs> which is a new word yeah. that i learned today so i'm very excited about that but yeah, yeah. no i think it i think it's fascinating to see um them testing out and trying to find the replacements for it because it is this identity piece right like that you have to find something that kind of fits that mold for you and that it doesn't fit entirely well but it is a close fit like it's not entirely what you want but it gets there closer than something else right might yeah and um And that it's interesting, but even, I think the point that you made too, about even the way our language works, um, around this, I think is something that Chittister points out too, is that like, even our language, right. Like about devotion, right. Or a pilgrimage (laughs) to Disney world or, you know, like just like (laughs) the way this works or, um, you know, like I'm a huge Coke zero person and I'm not a Pepsi person at all. Right. And so like, it's a clear, like what now? Are you a, a Pepsi, big Pepsi person? person? I am, no, yeah. John, I'm a, I'm a no. Diet Pepsi,
0: Diet, Diet Dr. Pepper person. Oh,
1: yeah. I will forgive you, I guess. I like Coke
0: Zero but like it doesn't agree with my with my stomach, so. Oh,
1: that's, I'm that's sorry.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, but I mean it is it is this funny thing, right? But <laughs> you can think about like the Coke and Pepsi wars, right? Where you had like a side to pick, right? When they were doing like the blind taste test. Remember, do you remember this? Like where they did yeah, the blind I did taste it. test sure. campaigns yeah, and like all challenge. these sorts of things. Absolutely. challenge, yep. right? Yep. Um, and so I just like the way our language is even just so much steeped in like the devotion that I have to like Coke Zero or coffee, right? <laughs> just the religious language that we just swim in um, yep. about things that aren't inherently Religious, I think, which is his point, right? But they can still have those kinds of experiences about it, you know? Um, right. And I say this as someone right. who's written about like coffee pots as altars, right? Where it's like, I clearly right. have fallen. <laughs> Falling into this, you know, even knowing better, right? Like, can still fall into this. um, Yeah. The part of how this works because we're just. Well, then also people are like, he's my coffee
0: guru or whatever. Like, you know, we still like, we we take, we take words from other religions uh, and like yes, put that's right. I know. normal right yes. like a guy who tells you like what wine to buy is like your wine guru you know yeah like that sort yeah of thing. So, no just yeah,
1: just, just snatch them from other cultures that's great that's just yeah general, you know um how it works to you but yeah, yeah i think it's i think it's fascinating about how um those experiences can still be authentic and religious, just not originating from what we might imagine. And I think that that was Mm -hmm. a really cool point that he made in 2005 that still holds up in 2023. Um, For sure. But yeah, no, it's a cool book, though. Again, I wish he had named it Holy Shit, because that would be the best book title. I'm
0: going to read it and pretend that's the title the whole time I'm reading it. Yeah, Um, no,
1: I I did. But, you know, I was also (laughs) like in my early 20s when I read it. So I was just like... This yeah. has to be the title. Like, We're how like, can cross they not? It out with a right? Like, yeah. Right. Like,
0: this book is Yeah. Called, holy make shit. this happen. <laughs> um, yes. So, quick question then: How would we assess whether or not a person is like authentically part of the cult of Peloton? Like,
1: oh man, you know, I know a number of these Peloton folks, and like, yeah. I think you can tell their seriousness by the selfies that they like. I, I don't know if that's performance, but like. I know a number of folks who are like constantly posting the selfies with their like screens to yeah, show yeah, us yeah, that yeah, they've yeah. done it yeah. right uh-huh. um, with their like Peloton gear. So it's not enough that it's their selfie, but they also have like their tank top on or they have yeah. Their you gotta have on, like your your you know, prayer like, rug and your, you like, have yeah. to, you have to have all of your <laughs> gear. You know, um, they talk about it a lot, right? I should say yeah. that I'm like a Peloton failure. I never bought the bike. I did like the okay. like. Buy the spin bike, do the app, sort of thing. Okay, but like I just absolutely abysmally failed at it. So I oh, so you was can not... like do the
0: Peloton classes with like a smartphone and just a normal exercise bike is what and you're saying? Spin
1: bike. Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. You can.
1: That's Yeah,
0: because I'm cheap. That. Is, that like Peloton, cheap. Peloton is that like Peloton? Peloton Protestantism, basically.
1: Is <laughs> this definitely not Peloton Prosperity gospel? No. <laughs> it's not what it is. No. <laughs> it's how cheaply could I do this and maybe no. appreciate it? And the answer is, was not for me. But oh, like, cool. I think, Peloton. yeah, the, the way to identify is to see that and to see how much they talk about it and if they're convincing you to try to get the bike and this sort of thing. But yeah, so I just, I mean, and I'm glad that they're dedicated and that that works for them. I just, mm-hmm. um, pedaling was not my way to community or <laughs> exercise or
0: <laughs> yeah
1: any of it just it didn't didn't work either. out yeah no, i prefer
0: didn't. to pedal alone yeah well i think this is me. the problem
1: is i was like maybe i don't want a community
0: no not <laughs> when it comes to exercise i definitely do not want a community I was you, like, yeah,
1: that's my authentic self-speaking right there. I was, I was like, yeah. do not want the exercise community. Thank you and good night. Yeah. Um,
0: take a vow of solitude when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to that. I was
1: <laughs> like, I would like to walk in the woods with no one else. Thanks. Right. It was like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Appreciate it. Yeah. <sighs>
0: well, good topic. That was fun.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out. You know, yeah. I was like, since it's my first time bringing- what, yeah while i get the bringing the topic i yeah. i'm glad that it worked out yeah, considering one, i was a little nervous about it just a little bit nervous so a bunch
0: of other topics to think of so yeah um, yeah yeah it's a spin-off of this so yeah
1: no <laughs> we're like scientology
0: <laughs> <laughs> coca-cola coca-cola oh,
1: coca-cola yes. would be a good one yeah oh, that would sure. be fun there is yeah. a
0: weird amount of religion when it comes to uh, the creation of soft drinks and that sort of thing. Yeah. So
1: I'll drink a Coke Zero for that episode. So.
0: All right. That sounds yeah. good. Um, <laughs> all right. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll be back on Tuesday with Brad and Sheep.